In today's cryptic edition of the Silicon Valley After Show, we're discussing sandwich making, garbage picking, and southern bureaucracy. So stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. You guys know what song this is? One from Silicon Valley. Oh, shaggy throwback. Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silicon Valley After Show here on After Buzz TV. You're hearing Oh Carolina by Shaggy, which was featured as a kind of barbershop-style vocal piece in today's episode. thought it was really smartly used. Oh. Yeah. I know. No, it's kind I of, get it. I didn't realize it was my like, second why are doing, they playing this song? Yeah. Pretty, pretty brilliant, as is this show, guys. That's right. This is the Silicon Valley After Show. Here on AfterBuzz TV, where we're here every week breaking down all the intricacies of our favorite HBO show. Guys, my name is Jeff. If you want to find me online, you can do that at Jeffrey C. Graham. Guys, this is Season 5, Episode 7 on May 7th. 5-7 on 5-7. Is your mind just blown? Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to go on. Can I be excused? (laughs) It's a conspiracy. Guys, you just heard the voices of Phil Svitek and Christian Blatt. Say hello, guys. This is Phil. Hi (laughs) there. And Nate Miller. It's that timing that everybody likes. Hi. <laughs> and I'm Jeff, as I mentioned already, guys. Today we're covering Season 5, Episode 7, called Initial Coin Offering, which is a, um investment concept that I knew a little bit about, but I now know more about because of this very educational show. We'll talk about it, but before we do that, guys, let's tease this, uh, what we're going to go over a little bit today. We'll, of course, be going over the episode, but we also have some Silicon Valley in real life, which I'm really excited about. And some great news. So that's all coming up here on the Silicon Valley After Show. Before we get into our coverage, though, I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on today's episode, starting with Christian. Uh, I really think we should start with eight. No, uh, I (laughs) thought uh, there were some really good moments in this episode. And as I was telling Jeff beforehand, until the coming attractions for next week, I had no idea that next week's the season finale. I just assumed there were ten episodes. So, uh, you know, I was just like, all right, I wonder where there is to go as the episode ends. And then where there is to go is just one more half hour. So uh, I, I was surprised that there was so much happening. You know, a lot of things were really moving along. And uh, I think, as is so often the case, if I have to isolate sort of my favorite element of the show, Jared and Holden. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just how seriously Jared took that. It's like, did you tell him to say you like the sandwich? Uh, so, yeah, there's just there was so much. Oh, and of course, an appearance by Russ Henneman. You got Russ Henneman and Big Head in the same episode. Uh, you can't really go wrong. Agreed. Great analysis. Phil, what did you think? It was a mixed bag for me, interestingly enough. I, like As far as the decision and the weight of everything, I thought things moved too fast, and it's not like they didn't have time to play with it. They spent a lot of time with the Tesla mm-hmm. subplot. A, big, a decision like this... You know, I feel like deserves a little bit mulling over, um, and we just kind of moved a little bit too fast for my liking. But overall, enjoyable. So again, mixed feelings. I think this can be a problem, sort of symptomatic of the show in general. Sometimes where we do kind of go into insane mode during the last couple episodes of the season. I feel like it's not uncommon for us to kind of be like chugging along, and then all of a sudden we zip really fast narratively, almost like ludicrous speed. Maybe ludicrous speed, even possibly um, plaid. Possibly plaid. Uh, Bingo, man, what did hit you them think? All. If, you're, if you're playing uh, Tesla Bingo, it should be pretty close <laughs> right now. Uh, I thought it was good. I it's it's weird. I enjoyed the pace of the episode, but from a plot perspective, I understand what you mean. It did. It was a very big decision and a very big shift that just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. I know they laid some groundwork with Lori and his and their relationship, and it not really being what it seems like. Um, 
not a lot of laugh out loud moments on this one for me, which was a little bit of a disappointment, but a lot of subtle mm-hmm. inferences and good uh, character jokes. So eh, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I agree with all you guys. I really liked this episode as as it stands alone. I think in the context of the whole season, it feels a bit like whiplash, um, which again, I think is a, a problem this show can sometimes have. I mean, they could have introduced this as a concept last week. Right. You know, just sort of like Guilfoyle, you know, just kind of mulling it over or something, you know. Well, and, you, but I think that might have helped in the context of the whole season as opposed to it just being like, well, where'd this come from? And now well, it, that's it. why they did have that whole notion of him just mining cryptocurrency. Right. Yeah. And, and that was their entryway. And, it, you know, we were equally shocked then as we as I am now. With that's the true. insane napalm death. <laughs> yes. I wonder yeah. if Juliet still has that drop. Julianne, if you've got some insane napalm death, you can surprise us, but only once. It would have been so easy for him to say at some point, you know, we could get out of our VC overlords by doing this just for them to go, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And then later to come back to it, I think then it would have not felt this this way, Mm -hmm. Um, but it did seem like out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, I... uh... Yeah, I agree with all you guys, but let's go ahead and talk about the actual episode. Um, the four sort of major topics I saw going on in this episode were, of course, just like man- like capital management, just like how is the company going to manage its potential Series B. Dinesh the Tesla guy is another topic I'm going for. I'm- I have Jared the Stalker. I don't know if that's appropriately titled or not. but um, And finally, I have Gavin in South Carolina, which I thought was... North. North Carolina. We even went over it before I went live. Shame on you. You know how much hate mail you're going to get now? So much. So many tweets at Jeffrey C. Grant. (laughs) You are not welcome in South Carolina or North for that matter. Neither Carolina. Um, But I will say I'm excited because that was one of my favorite little nuggets this episode was watching Gavin interact with Southerners. Uh, But let's talk about... Northerners. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean, Phil. Okay, well, let's talk about um, this potential venture into cryptocurrency, actually official venture into cryptocurrency, because they did make the decision by the end of the episode. But the very first thing we see is this cold open with the celebration dinner. I quite enjoyed this. I enjoyed seeing all four of them with Monica, because it's been a while since we've seen the five of them as a group. How'd you guys feel about this cold open? They've been nailing their cold opens overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it was re- really funny. It was typical awkwardness as far as them all hanging out and just the sheer line of, well, there goes the person we don't usually hang out with, and I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, it's interesting because there is that conversation later in the episode where Monica's like, we're not friends. When's my birthday? Do, you know, and all that. And you, in the cold open while we were watching, I was just thinking about it, Like, you know, you used to see them with Monica a lot. You know, and I mean, there was, it feels like a lifetime ago that there was some like romantic subplot with Monica and Richard, which now just honestly seems gross. Yeah. You know, like, oh no, Monica, come on, you can do better. But uh, I thought it was, I thought it was actually uh, very funny that they're all just like, well, this is just uncomfortable. Let's just go home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I actually want to jump ahead a little bit and talk about just the Monica of it all. Because we learned this episode that she had in fact been married and has had her marriage annulled. I thought that was a really interesting tidbit, and I was reading some commentary that speculated maybe that was the writers kind of meta comment, like meta commenting on their lack of female character development on the show. Like even we as an audience didn't realize that either, which I thought was kind of a funny observation. I don't know if there's any validity well, to that or not, but if you're gonna jump ahead, I mean, in, in some sense, I, I like the reset button where Monica is now involved because yes. when you look back on it, uh, you know we love Jared and we love Richard and they're romance if you will (laughs) 
but you know, for a long time, like if you watch the early seasons, it looked like they would Monica and Richard would have a hookup. In fact, the end of the season one, that was the whole big thing of you know what, you're, I'm no longer your investor, so maybe we can go on that date. Right. Yeah, I I think this episode did a lot of really interesting and smart things with Monica, and I think even though it was played for a joke of like, oh, you didn't even know I was annulled. It's, it creates an interesting potential for real emotional stakes in the next season because we're going to have Monica involved more with Pied Piper now, and I'm excited about that. I think the um, company's kind of been lacking a straight man, so it'll be really interesting to see how she plays with them when she's actually in the room. How do you guys... We're going to jump back to some more specifics of this subplot, but let's just continue. How do you guys feel about the idea of Monica being more directly involved with Pied Piper's day-to-day? I think it's great for the show because you feel like when she's not that involved, she's barely on the show. Yeah. So the idea that we would actually get to see her again, you know, obviously next season and she's clearly in next week's episode, uh, I think it would actually be good. It would be interesting to see the dynamic, uh, you know, just as so long as she doesn't date Richard. I'm still, like, really <laughs> skeeved out thinking about it. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's jump back then and, of course, talk about how the company decides to manage this Series B. Phil, you sent us a very... Um, enlightening article about what an ICO actually is. Would you mind sort of... I thought the show did a nice job of educating laymen about what it really is, but I would kind of love for you, just based on what you read on Investopedia, to let us know sort of what an ICO is. See, this is one of those topics that you only get more confused as as you learn more, to (laughs) be truthful, at least in my opinion. So this is from Investopedia. Uh, ICOs refer to initial coin offering, and it's essentially... Any startup can use it to bypass the rigors and regulated capital raising process required by venture capitalists or banks. In an ICO campaign, it's almost like you're crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. right? But instead of uh, crowdsourcing, you're crowd sell. It's a crowd sale, as they call it. Uh, so therefore, you're kind of exchanging a legal tender. More often than not, it tends to go back to Bitcoin. Uh, now, what's interesting about it for me is that. If I look at it in terms of the show, number one, I don't think they explained it 100%. Number two, when I, as I said in my overall thoughts, I thought this was a very big decision. And Richard said it, although I'm surprised he got away from the notion that this is a pivot. They have no – their core competency is compression and now this new internet. And to start this, this is a huge undertaking. Right. And if they had any indication, apart from their credits being worth $1.6 million that they just threw out to Lori, that this was even possible, I could see it. But this this was a huge leap, even for Guilfoyle, for my money's worth. Mm-hmm. How do you... So I kind of got the impression, though, that they would maintain their primary role as a compression-based company. Well, I guess now they're doing the new the internet, new but internet. that's connected to their com- ability to compress, right? Yes, but I, I got the impression that this, they would just also have their own cryptocurrency sort of operating as another wing of their company. Or yeah, is it, are they completely shifting their focus? I mean, it doesn't matter. You're starting a, it's, it's a huge undertaking one way or the other. Even right. if it's not your core business, it is a wing. Let's say, you know, to make it successful, you need, I don't know, 30, 40% of your resources going into that. I see. So as our resident Guilfoyle, Nate, how did you feel about <laughs> um, Guilfoyle kind of being the catalyst for all of this? Um, it was interesting to see him actually get like excited about something. Yeah. Um, I kind of just I put my, used my uh, dispension, w- willing suspension of disbelief uh, with the whole how it worked out kind of a scenario because it seemed to me like just the writers were like, we want to include 
some type of cryptocurrency. It's topical right now. Yeah. We just we're just gonna kind of shoehorn it in there, and and it makes sense that Gilfoy would be the one, given that he's kind of the smart one. I mean, they're all smart, but the one who he's always on the underground new stuff, trying to get away. Anti-disestablishment. He's arguably like the most like techie in some ways. Yeah, 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 and uh, and. Uh, I don't know. I really love that he had that presentation like ready for a while <laughs> yeah. and wanted to uh, had been wanting it to show into him, and now is the time. But it, it did feel it did feel out of kind of out of character for him. Like part of me, part of me was like, "Oh, it's cool to see Gilfoyle this do this," but then the other part is like, "Well, it's kind of cool to see because it's something like we've never seen him do before," mm-hmm. um, and it did feel kind of like, "Well, somebody needs to do this, so it's going to be Gilfoyle." Right. I it's interesting. I actually don't mind this pivot. But I, I'm also the one who's the least, probably understands the least about actually the specificity of how this world operates. Um, so I think as someone who's kind of more of a writer and consuming it as like someone who loves TV writing, I like the idea of the engine that this gives the show. Like I, I think it's nice that they finally won't be dependent on investors. They can well, depending on how the ICO actually ends up launching. But I like the narrative potential that we're given here, even if it doesn't have much believability in their world. Yeah, this is in if we're, when we we often talk about you know when we're talking about things we don't like about the show is the sameness, repetitive mm-hmm. stuff. And even though this is again them being confronted with a problem they have to deal with, that's the nature of all storytelling. Yeah. So I like that it's it's a different way. They haven't dealt with this as like a as like a company that's a thing now, not just a growing company as something that's established and moving away like turning down money uh so I, i'm excited too to see where it goes and then again the fact that from this we get monica being more involved in the company mm-hmm. we get Lori now you know moving on to be and probably a competition or an enemy or something i like the idea of where these decisions are putting the show for yeah. the finale and for next season agreed um so i know we've jumped back and forth with monica but i really appreciated how bluntly monica received the news of the ico and how she handled that like it was interesting to see her really take on the position of a strong-headed um like venture capitalist how did you guys feel did were you guys surprised when she was so harsh with richard and gilfoyle in her office you know she later says that it was a lot of it was self-preservation that's actually how i took it in the moment i'm like okay she's overreacting because she's like hey you know don't Screw us out of this. Yeah. But I kind of like the way that we watched it unfold. And it really came down to, you know, realizing she's not really partners with Lori. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't like the fuzzy question mark. You know, mm-hmm. just how much that represented I thought was uh, really interesting. So this was actually uh, just overall a good episode for Monica. You know, there hasn't been a lot this season for yeah. her to do. So this has been good. Yeah. I, it, it's just I, – I, because we didn't see her so much, I, it, you know, I get it. They threw – they sprinkled in hints of her disdain, like her – Smoking in, in the office, that was her way of rebelling, uh, removing the hair, uh, quote, not the quote, question, question mark. mark yeah. That was a big thing, and it was a nice callback. But I also think she's a lot smarter than just making a rash decision like she is on that spot. Uh, and put it, you know, as an investor, you never put all your eggs in one basket, and now she's put everything at the Pied Piper. And that's why I, I also – and I get – it's tough. What, what the show for me didn't do like this episode, you know, you're big between a rock and a hard place and that wasn't really stretched to what it could have been. Yeah, I agree. Because it's like, okay, listen, I understand there's a stability to $30 million. It comes with a lot of strings attached. But we can have complete freedom with no stability whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we wasted that on m- more time with a Tesla. Yeah, I, I – we've – 
I might be being redundant, but I think these seeds could have been planted earlier in the season. And I do feel like there's been three or four like B stories we've gotten this season that haven't given us much long term. They've been very isolated. So why weren't we given more of this earlier? And why did it feel so rushed this episode? Again, it's stuff I like. It just doesn't feel like it's been paced well. Well, I think it goes back to my surprise that there's only eight episodes a season. You know, you don't have literally an hour worth of content to work with that you do in recent seasons. So that's probably maybe when they mapped it out, they realized like, okay, well, these things kind of actually have to happen a little faster than we would have done it otherwise. It's a good point because usually it is episode seven that we start to get these and then it pulls us through to the end. But now we only have one more. So... Yeah, I was wondering and speculating maybe it had to do with TJ's exit. I don't know. Well, I mean, I know this takes us into Dinesh, but you look at Guilfoyle, he's been quite integral to a lot of big-time decisions in in this season. In fact, in past seasons when he said, let's walk, remember back when they did the porn deal? Mm -hmm. Um, So as far as this, Dinesh is just really just a puppet. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. In fact, that's what even the coworkers really treat him as. Right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Dinesh, but before we do, we've been talking about financial management. Did you guys know that Marie Menounos is an expert financial manager? And you can hear more about that on her podcast, which is called Conversations with Marie Menounos and drops every Friday on iTunes. If you guys want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life, we've got the podcast for you besides this one. It's Conversations with Marie Menounos podcast edition hosted by her every single Friday. Uh, the podcast features celebrity and influencer interviews along with, along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of your life, from health and wellness to career relationships, finances, and more. Let our Maria be the big sister you've always wanted. Think of her as your very own Monica, but not as rash of a decision maker as Monica. We'll qualify it with that. If you're interested in the podcast, just go to iTunes and subscribe for free. Be sure to rate and comment, and when you do, let Maria know it was us who sent you there. One more time, conversation with Marie Menounos every Friday. Check it out. That's your initial podcast offering. It's my IPO. All for you guys. So you brought up Dinesh. Let's talk about Dinesh. Um, we had another sort of Dinesh being a goof all on his own in the office subplot. I don't know if this is working for me. Well, you know what I don't like is this is his second Tesla-related storyline. Right. And in eight episodes, you're just like, okay, I don't, I don't mind them sort of, you know, playing him as more of a comedic foil and a goof, as you said. Uh, I just wish it would have been about something else. Like, I actually thought it was funny that he was the mole who was just getting drunk, karaokeing, and giving all the secrets away. That was fine. That didn't yes. bother me. And if there had been either or Tesla, you know, sort of Tesla storyline, I think it would have been all right. But to go back in the Tesla well, and honestly, the the payoff, w- there wasn't that much to this. It's just more like, oh, okay, so he's once again getting people to spend money they don't have. Yeah. Um, but what I did like about the storyline which I'm going to assume a lot of people picked up on, but where the different levels of speeds came from, the obvious homage to Spaceballs when they go to ludicrous speed and then the plaid. Uh, I actually didn't see the plaid coming, so uh, I was just like, oh, my God, it really was. So uh, I don't know. That, that's what got the laugh out of me. But yes. uh, for Dinesh, uh, and did we decide that I'm Dinesh, right? I think Yeah, so Dinesh. I'm really upset about this, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, though, as a Mel Brooks fan, you felt very seen by the writers. Yes, that, well, that's true. See? So it all works out. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, yeah, I... I, it's interesting. I get that, like, Tesla's topical. And, like, yes, Tesla exists in Silicon Valley, but it just seems like we're getting a lot of Tesla stuff this season. Even if he had done it about something else. Yeah. You know, if he did the same thing, like, he wanted some new cool thing. He's like, well, the Tesla thing didn't really work out, but now I want, I, 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 don't, I don't know anything that's cool. So whatever it is, you know, he yeah. wanted something different. But Maybe we'll see an amazing Tesla payoff. Maybe Elon Musk will show up in the finale of this season. I don't know. How do you I feel about it, Nate? It probably cost them a lot to get 
the Tesla that they used the first time, and they probably just wanted to get the most value out yeah. of it. I don't know. Mm. I I feel like if you go back and watch like the first and second season, and you imagine what would that Dinesh do if he was upper management of a company like this, I feel like this is exactly what he would be doing. <laughs> true. Spending more time trying to get people to like him, trying to be prestigious in the office, than trying to get anything done. I don't know. I can see why it would be kind of annoying, but I thought it was funny. I thought it was some of the more funny parts of yeah. this episode. Uh, you know, just the smash cut of him talking to Danny. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Right to Big Kid. You know, F Danny. <laughs> it's, just, it's just good. It was really good. That's very Guilfoyle of you to feel that. Uh, that's the way it, was. <laughs> it was nice to see our friend Chris Aquilino used again in the episode. Yes. Chris, I think you're listening, so very well performed. Any thoughts on the Dinesh storyline before we move on, Phil? I, I think it just ate up too much time. Yeah. I think if it was just shorter, I didn't necessarily mind it, but just definitely shorter, and that would have been fine. Well, if we want to talk about another isolated subplot in this episode that I personally loved, this is the Jared versus Holden that's been kind of brewing since last season. This had me laughing out loud. How did you guys feel? I, I li- as I said before, I liked just how invested Jared was in this, and like how he was really trying to get to the bottom of the sandwich thing. And you know, even when Richard told him, it was just like he's like, "I don't believe you, but you're my everything, so I'm going to have to believe you." Uh, I did think that it was very funny, and that seems like it'll have a payoff in next week's episode. So uh, I, I don't know. I thought that. Uh, that was very funny, especially when he just like runs after him after the hall. I don't know exactly what he brought like a pizza into a conference room or something, and then Jared just runs after him when he's done talking. So I, I don't know. I thought that uh, I, as we know, if you watch our show uh, every week, I'm a sucker for Jared's storyline. So it doesn't really take much. Yeah. And uh, this was this was this was pure Jared. This is perfect Jared. I also do want to correct you. He wasn't so much running after as he was just like frantically walking. Yes, like, you're right. No, no. He doesn't, he doesn't really hall. run. So funny. Yeah, I think Mike Judge does a really good job with like using genre tropes to like enhance comedy. Like, I mean, Office Space sort of did it with gangsta music. Hmm. And like, I think using horror movie tropes to like show um, Jared's insecurity with this assistant is like a very Mike Judge type of story device but it always works like this is i think when he's at his best and i found this super consistently funny i really really enjoyed this too and i mean ever since about season two or three i'm just never disappointed with jared like it is such a reliably funny character for me so do we think that he is just upset that he thinks richard likes holden and he's jealous or do we think that he just doesn't think that holden is like good enough to be an assistant or makes bad sandwiches because I couldn't, I couldn't tell former. which one. I think maybe both. Well, yeah. yeah, I think he thinks that Holden doesn't deserve to work for Richard, and he wants him to be a specific kind of employee. And uh, I think he he's taken it upon himself to be like, no, Richard needs to be happier than you can possibly make him. Mm-hmm. I was also half expecting him to just kind of disappear after he stormed after him when he told him like, <laughs> "Oh, so you like him?" He's like, "Yeah, okay, well that's okay." And I was like, "Oh, he's he's yeah. gone." Yeah, I thought here's we your were... new assistant, so Steve. When, yeah, when we got that little reveal at the end that he was standing behind him, I was like, "Oh, Holden's still alive." <laughs> yeah, for now, for now, cigarette burns and all. Um, it is interesting. Have you guys ever been in an office where a job you once had is now being done by someone else? Yes. It can be that thing where you're like, I. It's hard to watch them do the job you once had because... But he hired him. Yeah. And trained him. (laughs) Out of necessity, though, right? Yeah, that's true. Jared wishes he could still... He could do it all. He could still be there. Right. You know, he could be Batman to Richard's Robin. Yeah. But 
you know, uh, I just feel like if anyone's as close to Laurie, it should be Jared. And I feel like when, when Laurie says, you know, I have no emotion, I feel like in this case, Jared just needs to have no emotion. He needs to have that. But that, as we saw with Fiona that's last week, that's not Jared. He's very emotional. Too big of a heart. Um, well, the last thing I want to talk about, which might have been actually my favorite little subplot of the episode, was watching Gavin Belson kind of exist in like a Rust Belt town. That's not really right. Not really. More Bible Belt. But um, just watching him in sort of a red environment in the South, I thought was very, very funny. Most specifically, I like when he's giving his speech and he says, I'm excited to get started. What about y'all? I did love <laughs> when he said y'all. How did you guys feel about Gavin in North Carolina? I loved him giving away that he has a house in Bermuda, and that's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm basically local. Off the coast. Yeah, off the coast, and that's my official residence, by the way. <laughs> that was a very nice callback at the end of the episode, because I thought it was just a funny joke right. when I first said it, and then they're like, yeah, and the IRS turned out about Bermuda. I don't know how they found out, <laughs> sir. Yeah, this was good. I love, but I don't know, it was, it was interesting, and I was trying to see where they were going with it. The first meeting in the office when they're like oh america and i was like yeah that's that should be interesting to see how he tries to play that but when he's given the speech and he's like you know i if this doesn't work out you know who to blame yeah. i was like that's such a gavin thing to do just like from the just laying it from the get-go like this is how it's gonna work and if it doesn't work you're gonna well without getting too political that seems yeah. like a tactic that someone else who i will not name <laughs> that has a very high office uh, i feel like they would probably use that tactic and i think that that's uh, where that came from but uh you're right it's it's pure gavin and the culmination of the this storyline when Hoover's explaining what happened because of all the essential services that weren't available was actually uh, very funny. I thought, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and even Gavin realizes it. And, uh, it, yeah, and it's just... Uh, I think that's definitely a bit that can be not funny if not done properly. Yes. Because, like, obviously you know that the, it's going to go south when he's like, oh, yeah, just cut the emergency services. But yeah. the way that Hoover tells it, I yeah. thought was really good. Well, if, if they had stopped with, oh, yeah, and it burned down because the fire department couldn't come, you'd be like, okay, that's kind of, right. all right, I get it. But they just, like, <laughs> I, 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 sometimes some shows can really beat a joke to death and you're just like, enough already. This was just like, oh, no, no, no this is great that they Keep just kept piling on. Yeah. on the that's top. how yeah. it happened. Yeah. Now everything think, is gone. Yeah. I think for me, the, the, the real underlying joke of it all is how far it, it really is a satire on how far companies are willing to go like 80% profit margins <laughs> I can't afford a penny more because I need my 80% profit margin and that was amazing editing to him like on the red carpet right onto his private jet after I can't afford anything more yeah I think with my, the champagne yeah, and all yes. <clears throat> him talking about the other places too that they can't build in Bangladesh <laughs> Malaysia one guy yeah. I think my favorite visual gag of the episode was watching those older southern guys try to sing then the Poster just starts flying in their faces. The jet flies away. Can't afford a penny more. Gets out (laughs) the private jet. (laughs) Yeah, every it's every Gavin storyline this season has been kind of isolated. It hasn't really involved. I mean, it's indirectly involved the Pied Piper guys, but they've tried to create a complete little mini short story with him. But this was to me the one that's buttoned up the most nicely by having that reversal where his insistence on decreased bureaucracy bit him in the ass was to me the smartest... It was much better than, like, The Bear is Sticky with Honey, for example. This was a much stronger payoff to me, and I think, like, yeah, just a more impressive payoff. So this is, I think, my favorite example of, like, a contained Gavin storyline we've gotten this season. I really liked it. Um, the only things we're missing are now Lori's working with Yao. 
that was quite a reveal and makes me excited to see what we're going to see. Um, we haven't really talked about Russ, but he is <laughs> digging through a landfill trying to find $300 million worth of Bitcoin. Could? Well, I, never mind. I'm going to hold off. Hold off. Um, okay. Any other thoughts, though, about the episode? I feel like we've pretty much covered all of it, but if I'm missing anything, now's the time. Mine's a prediction, so remind me about Lori. I'll remind you about Lori. With that, though, let's go ahead and transition into our favorite segment of the show, my favorite segment of the show, which is Silicon <laughs> Valley in real life. I've got three Bitcoin-related stories this week because the episode is about crypto. So you still need theme music. I know. I, well, you can play some Jeopardy once we get through the uh, get through them. But I'm going to tell you three Bitcoin-related stories right now. One of them is a lie. All right. The first one involves a man named James Howells, who's from the UK, who mined 7,500 bitcoins in 2009. Um, he had them on a flash drive, and when he was doing some spring cleaning, he threw them out, and now he's lost about $120 million worth of Bitcoin in a landfill in the UK that he's unable to retrieve. If this were, in theory, a true story, it would have shown up in the episode with Russ's subplot. Another potentially episode-related Bitcoin story involves Estonian programmer Jan Talin, who's also the founder of Kazaa. He similarly invested in 30 companies and tried to ICO all of them, just like Russ did. But unlike Russ, none of them have yielded any profit for him. What was the year? This was in 2013. The final story I have is um, that during a Craigslist meetup gone awry, a Brooklyn resident was robbed for about $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, actually at gunpoint. That's the third one. And one, that's the fake one. That's the fake one? Yeah. Okay. I say two. That's two? fake going to say one. Yeah, somebody's going to be right. <laughs> Phil is correct. It was actually two. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I made up that story. I don't think that Estonian programmer Jan Talon, who founded Kazaa, has actually ICO'd any of his companies. 2013 gave you away. Yeah. Could you Had tell you gone to... like 2015, I would have believed you. Yeah. 2013 was... A little early. A little early. Um, so, that was Silicon Valley in your life. Thanks for playing. I don't uh, think I've ever gotten one right, by the way. I'm fairly sure I haven't gotten any of them right. I believe I am the okay champion. Yeah, yes, you will clearly. Even though I missed the week. You're <laughs> still leading, yeah. So Richard of you, Phil. All right, let's talk about some news. After Buzz TV News. Well, speaking of good old Richard, uh, Thomas Middleditch and his buddy Ben Schwartz, they are doing a long-form improv show over in good old Nashville Comedy, Fe- Comedy Festival. So check that out. It's great. Uh, t- I've seen Middleditch and Schwartz at Largo. They're awesome. Really good. Yep. Tickets, you can get tickets, um, and there's a great interview on Nashville Scene that kind of talks about their art form. The first couple questions are really sort of boilerplate boring, but once you start getting to the meat of the interview, just skip skip down to the middle, and there's a lot of interesting tidbits about just how they improv together, and I think it's pretty cool. Great. Anywho, uh, we have, uh, so according to Deadline... Betty Gilpin, known for Glow and Nurse Jackie, she signed up for the action comedy Stubber, which uh, our good friend Dinesh is also in. Yes. Uh, Betty Gilpin's great. I don't know if you guys watch Glow, but I do want to quickly recommend it. I thought season one was excellent. Season two drops in about a month. Check that out. That's right. He plays a mild-mannered Uber driver, Good old, our good old friend. He's got some experience because of the big sick. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he plays I Uber did see it, well. and he was a great Uber driver in yes. that movie. Um, well, if uh, if you guys have money to drop, if you guys already sell some Bitcoin, you can flip your Bitcoin and buy the house that belongs to Russ Hanneman, the real actor, uh, Chris, a very Greek name. 
very Greek last name. He is flipping his house. He bought it for one point seven million, give or take, and now he is listing it for one point eight million with all the various renovations he has done for this house. Wait, so it was listed? He bought it for one point seven, and he's selling it for one point eight. Thought he was selling. It, it no, he, he's th- he's selling it for three point eight. Three point eight. Got three point eight. Not bad. It's a modest profit. Sounds well, like he hasn't enemy. sold it yet, so it's, you know, you, potentially you can negotiate, could go higher. Uh, it has four bedrooms and three bathrooms, and it's about 3,000 square feet. Sounds mm-hmm. like L.A. It's, it's not in enough, Los Feliz. Not enough bathrooms, so I'm <laughs> going to take a pass. Fair enough. I mean, in all honesty, I feel like for $3.8 million, it could get more square footage than that, even in L.A. Yeah. But hey, you know what? Good for you. <laughs> He's done a lot of renovations then. Speaking of, we talked a lot about Monica. Well, guess what? You can get some more Monica. Uh, the real Amanda Crew, who plays Monica, she's going to be starring in a movie called Tone Deaf. Uh, it has yet to begin production, but is the first film of the year of the slate for Circle of Confusion, mm. which are the producers of The Walking Dead. So. If that's any indicator, that'll give you kind of the tone of what they're creating. Not a lot about this movie yet, but uh, they say that Amanda and her co-star Robert, they go together like moonshine in a mason jar. There you go. So take that for what it's worth. It sounds like a great combination. I think that metaphor would go over very well in North Carolina. (laughs) There it is. Bringing it home. And with that, let's go ahead and bring it home ourselves with some AfterBuzz TV predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. Let's start with Nate and go down the line, because we never do that. My predictions are the season's going to end. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. And Christian! <laughs> um, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see what's coming. I did not, for the record, I didn't watch the next week one. I usually don't like to do it in general, but especially not with... The, prim- the last one being next week yeah. and it being so se- short, I want to savor as much as I can. So I don't, I didn't watch that. Um, we're gonna see what's coming of the uh, what's his name? Yao. Yeah. Right? Yao Lori partnership. Um, I'm wondering what's gonna happen. What's gonna culminate with this Gavin thing, especially now that he's not with Yao and it seems like he's not getting his boxes made. So that's gonna be something. Uh, yeah, and I'm ex- I'm just I'm really happy that we got Monica. Uh, mm-hmm. She's gonna be around from like now on. It seems like I enjoy her a lot. So that's it. Uh, I think out of necessity, uh, Gavin and the Pied Piper guys are gonna have to work together. And uh, stole my thunder. Uh, okay, I mean they're gonna work with uh, Jin Yang. So no, that's fine. a different prediction. <laughs> no, I 100 percent the the fact out of necessity the fact that Lori is now a competitor. First off, how that plays into Monica. <laughs> Is is gonna be an amazing rude awakening. We were I, friends. I, I did well. I liked that call that Lori made before she went into Yao's <laughs> office. You know, it was just the like we, she, of yeah. course we can be friends. It was such a very Lori moment. Yes, you know? so but also just the phrasing of you know you have to work people that share your ideas. <laughs> I have to work with people that share mine. And then she's there meeting with Yao. Yeah. And the fact that it she makes speaks, so much sense. And that oh, she speaks she, fluent Chinese. Of course, of course she does. Such yeah. a perfect. She probably character. just learned it like a week before. Yeah, I'm sure her she, like two month old kid already speaks. <laughs> I have a question for you. That's a prediction question. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see Jin Yang? Again, or do you think yes. he's just like I can answer that question? Is it in the preview for next week? Then I will not answer that question. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? Spoilers. Honestly, my recording cut off before the end of, so I actually don't know if he How was in the, in the in the thing. I think we see him, that's and good. that's not based on having seen him in the commercial. So. I would be upset if he was run off. Yeah, and we never saw him again. 
here. Close, close your ears if you don't want to. But we are putting predictions, so this is so much spoiler filled. Um, the 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 Yao's company looks like they're going to try to take down Pipe. Piper coin via something, so I, I'm not again huh? because I'm not sure how how uh, bitcoins work, but it, the fact that they have 51 percent ownership of Piper coin all of a sudden re- really jeopardizes what they're doing. So that seems to be the the route that they're taking, and somehow Jin Yang looks like he could be he, he's going to be called upon in one way, shape, or form to to prevent this. Hmm. Cool. I don't know. That's the, the last part is a prediction. The Great. first part is based on what we saw. Well, the only way we're going to find out is by watching next week's episode. Of course, the actual show airs on Sunday nights, but we're here every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific giving you all our thoughts. Guys, what a fast season. I'm sad. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm going to bring my yearbook next week, and I Great. want you guys to all sign it. All right, yeah. hags. Have a great summer. Please do. Yeah. You stole my line. Yeah. Um, well, I just want to quickly plug another show on HBO just because I love it. Um, if you guys are staying tuned in after Silicon Valley, Bill Hader's new show, Barry, which is also show run by Alec Berg, is airing. And I don't know if you guys have been watching it, but it's really, really it good. It is really good. Yeah, it's just like I love recommending good TV for people who love good TV. So give that show some love. I think it's been renewed for season two, but I just we- think it's great. You don't listen to our news, do you? Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, also, Westworld is back. Yes. I know that's not necessarily comedy, but it's on HBO. So. Best show on HBO. Yeah, it's good. I mean, HBO is HBO. It's great stuff. So Yeah, I see a lot of Sesame Street on HBO. <laughs> yeah, so. If you do... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. And um, Real Sex. Well, that's not on now. That's that's an older show. But, Probably the archive. Uh, well, you gotta you got to dig deep for it. Yeah, but uh, it's still there. start that show up again. Yeah, they should. I, I definitely agree. Well, guys, we'll see you next week for Silicon Valley. Again, that's 4 p.m. Pacific. Where can the people find you online, y'all? Uh, what's up, guys? Nate Miller. All social media, dog like Nate. And if you are watching Westworld, uh, you can catch us doing the after show on Sunday night, 8 o'clock. Do that. It's great. They're brilliant. They have great theories. Yeah, we argue. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I'm Christian Blad. You can follow me, Twitter and Instagram, at ChristianDMZ. Uh, Tuesdays we have the Trump Report at 4 Pacific and Marvel TV Weekly has moved to Sundays at 10 and you can find that there and Phil and I we have uh, South Park every other Wednesday yeah. I guess, let's, let's be honest yeah bi-monthly yeah that's alright bi-monthly curious as I believe I said in one <laughs> that's of the right. episodes and uh, you can check me out at philsfeedzag.com and it's all the information you'd ever want about me great thanks guys we'll see you next week for our final episode of season 5 bye from executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Uh, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.